DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Join Hanson, Scotty G, and The Big Show Friday. They'll be at the warehouse from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom. Time now to welcome in John Beck, the former BYU quarterback, now a QB coach, training the next generation at 3DQB, and he's worked with Zach Wilson. John, good morning. Welcome back to the show. What's going on, guys? Well, I'm curious about many things, and obviously we have to talk NFL draft and the five quarterbacks at the top and, and your work with, uh, with Zach Wilson. But I'm curious personally first, if I'd gone 25 years ago to 14-year-old John Beck and told him that 39-year-old John Beck, what would have happened to him over the next 25 years and what he's doing now, what would 14-year-old John Beck have thought and said? He just said, no way, because 39-year-old John Beck is going to still be playing in the NFL. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> you were on the Tom Brady path. That was the plan, but uh, life sometimes doesn't go as you plan. But I'm super grateful for the thing that I do now. I love working with quarterbacks. I love helping mentor these young guys. I feel like uh, you know, life sometimes is about how you can use the, the, the path that you had to travel. How can you use the experiences you gain to help others and I, I think that's one of the biggest parts I enjoy about my job now. So all these guys, John, obviously had skill. You had it, too. That was abundant in watching you play, and everybody you're working with has it for sure, As they, whether they're going to college or whether they're preparing for the NFL. But from your experience and all that you've been through, because you've been through a lot of highs and lows as an actual player, what separates the ones who are able to not only survive but thrive? Well, the common person, I would say the common fan, calls it the it factor. And that's the, that's the way that they say, oh, well, if he has it, he succeeds. If he doesn't have it, that's probably why they fail, right? And that's, that's probably what most people think. But anybody that's lived it and played it knows it's way more than that because the thing that gets you there is so much of the it factor. The thing that allows you to compete at that level and gives you opportunities where coaches say, all right, I think this guy can be our starter. That, those are all, all those it things play into that. The it is really a combination of a lot of things. It's like an equation. So when I look at the guys that make it and don't make it, there's the things that they control and the things that are out of their control. You have to have things out of your control that line up for you. Um, and I can share, I mean, hundreds of stories of just guys and their their journeys and things that did and did not work out for them and the things that did not work out for them, that it was out of their control and made their path difficult. Now, within the things that are within their control, these are things that matter to the person, right? How dedicated really are they? You can look at a person's day and just find out how they shape their schedule. How do they do the things that are going to help them succeed as a quarterback? If they really matter to them, they're making their day about those things. Everything is about improvement to become a quarterback. There's also resilience. There's a lot of guys that have had a lot of success leading up to the NFL, but because the NFL is such a crazy journey, and there's a phrase in the NFL that the NFL you go to sleep to may not be the NFL you wake up to. And players know that because there's days that players are told one thing, and that is true when they're told it by a head coach or a general manager, and then the following morning it changes. So you have to be really mentally tough, resilient. You have to be able to battle back. Uh, That's why when I see young quarterbacks, uh, kind of working their way up, wanting to be professionals, but they want the path to be just all rosy and, you know, uh, 
a golden path? I think, no, that's actually not what you want. You want to experience the ups and downs because that's what's going to prepare you for the NFL. And then the other thing you have to do is you just have to have this ultimate belief in yourself no matter what, that no matter the circumstances, no matter how many times you've been knocked down, you just have to always believe in yourself. I think those are really three key factors to give yourself the best chance because there's a ton of talented guys. You have to do all the things right, and it doesn't guarantee success, but it at least gives you the best chance for it. So, Zach, is he set up to succeed with the Jets? Are the things that in his control, I think you would probably tell us he's maximized them. Assuming the Jets take him in number two, do the Jets have the things around him that he can't control that he needs to be successful? So I'm going to start with Zach. To this point, I'm so proud of Zach for all the things that he's done that, that are right. Um, he's just tenacious with his approach. He's relentless in the way that he works. He has a great mind for football. He has a great work ethic. He, work ethic. He's doing all the right things. What's going to happen now for him is he's going to have to refine that even more because he's used to being the college kid that is just so hungry for football, right? But you have like this other life. You have to be a student. You have to do these other things that kind of give you a little break from football. And I learned this lesson when I jumped into the pros. You like are so hungry for football, but now football becomes your job. You now have to learn how to be a pro where everything is football in your life. Now how do you balance out that like huge desire that you have to be great with also making sure that you learn how to be smart, how to step away, how to disengage. I believe the hardest part for people that are, you can say gym rats that just soak up ball and they're always thinking it the hard part is is when that personality goes to a tough situation and things aren't necessarily going great it's very hard to turn that part of your mind and your emotions off for a little bit and step away because that type of person is already so invested that uh you know it hurts on the inside when things don't go good now going to the jets i think that they're doing everything they can to set up success uh, they have a, a really good staff that they put together. I know a lot of the guys on that staff, and they're going to do a lot of great things. And I have to say this, right, if the Jets um, pick Zach, because you know nothing's 100% done yet. The ticket hasn't been given to the guy at draft. Um, but I think that they're going to try to do everything they possibly can. Now, here's the thing I will say in the NFL, because I experienced it. I've had friends that have experienced it. I believe every team has a plan to help the guy that they pick succeed and be their long-term starter. They're all trying to do that. But the reality of the NFL, like I said before, the NFL you go to bed to is not the one you wake up to. Things happen so fast. They change so much. There's a huge pressure to perform and win. And even though they may pick a guy and believe in that guy wholeheartedly, when that season starts playing out and then things start happening like injuries or coaches start facing heat because the team hasn't won in three, four, five games, right? Then people have to make decisions that a lot of the times it's it's for their job it's for, or it's for what something like the, the organization feels may be best. And then that's the crazy part of the NFL. At this day and time, I believe if the, if the Jets take Zach, they are going to do everything within their power over the next few years to make him the most successful quarterback he can be. They want him to be the long-term answer there, but they're doing it in the NFL, and that's the crazy part about the circumstances. 
So, uh, you know, I interviewed you a million times when you played quarterback at BYU, and I always thought you were sort of like a scientist, you know. You were always trying to discover ways to be successful, and you understood the quarterback position deeply. And you also understood that the quarterback's job was to give interviews. And I can recall being down on the practice field, those benches. You would hang out to make sure that everybody who needed you uh, got access to you, and as a, as a writer at that time, I, I greatly appreciated it. And my point for you is, I listened to that uh, podcast you did with Peter King, the NFL journalist, and you were talking about. We all know we heard on the broadcast of traveling down, and you were talking about Zach. Uh, being uh, he would go deliver food, I think, uh, on his off hours to make some spending money. So I wanted to ask you about the intangibles because it seems like from a distance, from a, from my perspective anyway, Zach Wilson really wants it and studies it in the way that you did. Is that a fair assessment as you analyze the intangibles that go into everything as far as being successful as an NFL quarterback? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, there's all types of different personalities that are quarterbacks. There's not like one personality that like everybody's trying to be that personality or trying to do it exactly one way to succeed at quarterback. You can succeed at quarterback a lot of different ways, playing styles, personality styles, mindsets. I mean, I can go down the list of guys that are just different from each other, but they've all had some degree of success in college football and then onto the NFL. And I can show you guys that have the exact, basically, personality, mindset, decision-making processes as guys that have been largely successful in the NFL, and it's a guy that hasn't. And there's a ton of similarities in their game, in, their, like, in every aspect of it. And sometimes the guy that has, it hasn't worked out for has actually worked harder over the years than the guy that maybe has had a ton of success. So that's why things are crazy, and that's why I always say, like, you do what you can do to give yourself a chance. And I do believe that Zach Wilson... He has a great mindset, you know, uh, a, a great work ethic. It, it's been a joy for me, and I've, I've, I've just enjoyed my minutes with him, my time with him, because sometimes, and I don't know if this makes sense to everybody, but it makes sense to me. There are times that sometimes it's crazy, but I almost feel like I'm talking to my younger self. Hmm. And maybe that's why Zach and I feel like we click so well and connect so well, because, like, like I can say something in a way that it's like as if I'm giving my 20-year-old self advice on this end, and it like works for Zach, and he totally gets it. And I think that that's why this has been you know such a good thing, and I'm 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 super excited for the future. Uh, I do think that for all quarterbacks, there are parts of their makeup that for them they have to have. And I described a little bit in the beginning, but I see it through all the guys. So I'll just use the Greg, the draft class I had this year. So I, I had Zach. I had Justin Fields, I had Kyle Trask, I had KJ Costello, and then the last like month or so, a few weeks, I've had Trey Lance. All of these guys, in their own way, I can see the it factor as it pertains to them. They've developed that up to this point in their life. The thing that they have to do is they have to keep refining it. It doesn't guarantee them anything, and that's why it's a refining process. All the experiences that they're going to go to, they're going to go to different teams, and they're all five going to have way different experiences. And those experiences are going to have either a positive or a negative effect on them. When they experience the things that are going to scar them or have a negative effect, that's when they really got to work on themselves. They got to hold strong to that belief in themselves. And then they're going to have to go out and do some extra work on how to deal with it. I don't care who you are. Chad Pennington always said this quote, I don't care who a quarterback is before he gets the scars in the NFL. You show the true quarterback you are after you receive the scars of the NFL. And that's why I say all five of those guys 
somewhere along the road are going to get them. Uh, it happens. Sometimes it happens year five with guys that have gone to the Super Bowl, and then a year later they have a struggling season, and then their team is thinking about maybe letting them go. That is tough on guys. I've seen it happen to a number of guys. All these young guys have to do it. But going back to your original question, I do believe that Zach Wilson does so many right things. I believe the way that he has his makeup set right now is putting him in a good place, and then he's going to have to keep working at it. Man, John, you just pack so much information and answers. I, I, my head's spinning. I got like thirty things I want to ask you now. I don't even know where to jump. I don't even know where to jump in. The, the fact is, you've worked with so many of these top quarterbacks. Uh, are you surprised to see them being five of the top nine picks? If you were the GMs, would you make them five of the top nine picks? Is there too much emphasis on quarterbacks? Because Pika and I have been sitting here saying NFL history tells us that these teams are going to go in on these quarterbacks with these high picks, and at least half of them are going to move on three years later. The Sam Darnold story is very common. And we can go through NFL history. He's just the most recent example if you went big picture and talked to the GMs about these quarterbacks, what would you say? So this is kind of wild that you're asking me these questions right now. Just last night, I did a podcast for the general manager that drafted me at the Dolphins. And, you know, I thought I knew the total story of how everything worked out. And it's crazy for me. What was that now? Like 15 years ago, I got drafted, something like that. And I can remember, like, feeling, like, just, like, dumped on my head. Like, you know, whatever the date was, April 27th or 29th, whatever it was of 2007, I get picked to be that team's quarterback, and when they fly me to the facility that next morning, they sit me down and say, you are our guy for the future. Here is our plan for you to be the long-term answer here, and here's what we're going to do. And I remember them you know, playing all that out, and it was awesome. It felt great, right? And what was it, seven months later, eight months later, the entire building is fired. The owner sells the team. I mean, everybody just gets dumped on their heads. And I thought I knew the whole story, and I – had a chance after the podcast ended we got back on the phone and as i was driving home he and i were talking and he was telling me all these things that were happening behind the scenes i had no clue and this goes way deeper than me this goes way back to nick saban drew Brees. this goes beyond just bill parcells coming to the dolphins i mean this stretches so many different ways and it was eye-opening for me to like 15 years later hear all of these things and it was just like holy cow what I thought was things out of my control has now just been magnified 10 more times if things are out of my control. You're absolutely right. All of these guys that I've helped, they're all going to land different situations. And the, the history of the NFL shows only a couple of these guys are probably going to have a chance at the success that they are working towards. I do believe when I see all of these guys, I can give comps to all of them of guys that have been successful. And at the same time, I can give comps to all of them of guys that by NFL terms, have not been successful, right? And that's the tough part about this game. Um, I've seen receivers. I've seen linemen. I've seen tight ends. I've seen so many guys. I've seen guys that have insane potential. And then everybody goes, what happened to that guy after college? Man, he was unbelievable in college. And I can sit there and show you coaching changes, receiver coaching changes, scheme changes, injuries, all these different things. And, oh, wow, now I see why that was tough for that guy. And I can see how that happened. And in the key moment when he needed something to go good, the poor guy got injured or they fired the coordinator that brought that guy there. And then this new guy gets named the guy and he just whitewashes the place. Had that coordinator stayed, he had a plan for that guy. So it's crazy. Um, I think there are better fits, of course, for everybody. If you could hand pick, that would be more like what you get to do in college, right? The NFL draft is not a recruiting process. Uh, a lot of people come out of college 
having gone through a recruiting process and feeling like they want the same thing, you are not a recruit and you do not get to pick which team you play for. They pick you. And that can sometimes be the greatest fortune you have. And that can sometimes be the most unfortunate thing that happens to you in your life. That's why I say resilience. When I talk to my guys, it's a muscle that you have to constantly be working. And that's why I say, and I think I said this a year plus ago on an interview with Ben Criddle, people were wondering, well, should Zach Wilson be the BYU quarterback? He had all these you know, ups and downs as a sophomore, and I just don't know if we can count on him to be the guy. In my mind, I was thinking, little do you people know how much those ups and downs are going to help this kid for his future, not only for college football, but he's going to go play in the NFL. That's how talented he is. What round he goes to, we can't determine that. But he's a talented enough player to go to the NFL. And you want to have gone through those ups and downs before you get there. Otherwise, it's a swift kick to the groin, as hard as can be, and you're on your knees barely breathing. <laughs> so you better be ready for the ups and downs. You better be flexing that, that resilient muscle so you can make it. Appreciate that description, John. That was well said uh, as far as that goes. <laughs> Are you so, talking about the swift kick to the growing? That was a exactly. Great Everybody just kind of cringed a little bit in their cars. Yes, uh, precisely. <laughs> you know exactly what we're talking about. Uh, so we know that Zach was working with you while he was in college, and now he's going to move on to the NFL. BYU fans, uh, the quarterback job is open. Uh, if you're working with somebody who's on the in the competition right now, who is it if you are? And then what do you think of that quarterback or quarterback? Maybe you're working with multiple. I don't know. Well, things are in the initial stages, right? So I don't want to be the one that comes out and kind of says that because I also don't want people to assume anything or, you know, think anything. I'm, I'm sure in its own due time um, it'll come out. I, you know, um, when I was working really hard to help Zach, it meant a lot to me to help Zach because I met him as an 18-year-old kid. Something that I feel when I'm around these guys that demonstrate the, the mindset and the work ethic that Zach had was, it just reminds me of a dream, right? I think there's a lot of boys and girls where, like, uh, it's something about in their nature where they can feel that dream at a young age, right? And they're very motivated and they want to get there. And as, as, as a coach, I can sense that. And, you know, you're not wrong if, if you don't have that during your teenage years. You know, there's nothing wrong with figuring it out a little bit later in life. But I am very passionate about people when they have a vision. And when I can see that someone has a vision, at this stage in my life, I'm there to help them. You know, 15 years ago, it was about me chasing my own one. But I, I, I love that when I see somebody that has a vision. And to be able to help somebody that plays at the very university that I played at, BYU meant a lot to me. Uh, I got there at a time when it was rough, right? And I can remember when I made that commitment, I had a lot of people close to me that wondered, why the crap would you go there? Like, that place is, like, spiraling downward. And you have these other universities that are in way bigger conferences, um, and you can like if you win in that conference, you get to go play in the Rose Bowl. Like, where does the Mountain West send you? But, you know, there was something that felt right about it. And uh, I did not know how difficult it was going to be and how tough it is to lift something up that is in a tough place. But I look back now uh, as those are some of the most memorable times of my life. I love the work that I put in every single day on that field with those mountains right there. I love the challenges with my teammates. I miss my that time with my teammates. I got to go to dinner with all my linemen when I came out for the pro day such a great memory to look back at the things you accomplished so when i have an opportunity to work with a byu quarterback it means so much to me because it's helping the program that university is a very very special place so yes i love when a when like a byu quarterback reaches out and there is somebody that's reached out and i do want to help him the most i possibly can and i'm sure in his due time it'll come out but i also don't want to set any expectations zach wilson did something amazing nobody would have been able to foresee that he, this kid was going to go be in the number two pick potentially in the draft right uh Eight months ago, everybody was wondering if he was going to be the starter at BYU. I love Zach's story. I would love to help somebody else with their, with their story, but it's, it's probably not going to look the exact same. 
But the thing that can look the same is the hard work, the dedication, the sacrifice, the downs. When that person, you know, worked his butt off and didn't get a win and maybe missed something in the game or is looking back and finding a way to get better. To me, that's the awesome part of the journey that I, I miss as a player, but I love helping people without now. And, uh, you know, hopefully the work that this quarterback and I put in over the next few years really helps him accomplish something great. Probably he's not going to look exactly like Zach's, but for him and his story, I hope it's something amazing because if he's doing that, the university gets to enjoy another special season, and that means a lot to me as well. So I, I could easily talk to you for another hour. I have so many things I want to run by you, but PK and I have been talking about uh, the name, image, and likeness and the money that kids in college are going to be able to make off of that, especially the high-profile guys, which obviously is quarterbacks. Going back to your swift kick to the groin, and things are going to go wrong, and it is going to be humbling, and it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt your ego and your pride and your confidence. The name, image, and likeness, and the money that um, a hot prospect can get, even as they step on campus for the very first time before the very first practice, is that going to make it harder for some kids to succeed as quarterbacks? Is this going to be, as much as it sounds like a positive, is it end up going to be a negative and a hurdle? I think there will absolutely be drawbacks from it and negatives to it. Um, nowadays, I think it's unfortunate, but uh, there's a lot of me stuff going on. Um, and I think as I try to, I'm, I'm going to say this as a parent, okay? When I watch the world around my boys, I see a lot of people turning the phone on themselves. Right? I can't tell you how many times at the beach here in Southern California, I'm out there and I just see pe- people's phones turned back towards themselves. Right? And uh, I get concerned because, yes, you have to take care of yourself. Yes, you have to care about yourself enough and you've got to believe in yourself. But if you lack that, that thing inside you that's looking out for others because you're too concerned with yourself, you're missing out on some of the best things in life. You're going to miss out on some of those connections. Like, some of the best joys of my time at BYU are those times, like I just described, with my teammates. Well, if I'm so focused on myself and the money that I can make, am I truly connecting with my teammates like I need to? Because that is so much of the separating factor between a great team and an average team. It's that, it's that culture that's built within the players. And I do have worries that if guys go to a school, they may pick schools based on what they're being told they can personally make during their time there. You know, I wonder what type of people are going to turn into, hey, you can hire me and I can be the one that makes you money while you're in college, right? You may have these families, these recruits that may say, or even universities that may say, we can line you up with this person if you come to this school and they will help you make this much money during your four to five years while you're here. And that can end up being a recruiting thing. And if a guy's choosing college football because of how much money he can make, college football will change. There's something great about college football that I hope gets protected. And you know, hey, I think it's good for guys to make money. I'm going to say that as well. You invest so much time as a player, you do not have the time to go out and get a full-time job. And you're working extremely hard. And I shouldn't say you don't have time. It's all based upon what you choose, right? There are guys that can have a, a steady job while they're a football player. But I will say those guys are going to have a hard time finding time to make the sacrifice to be the best football player they can be. The guys that are prioritizing football, making that a huge, huge part of them trying to become a professional, it's going to be very hard for them to find time to make good money. So I do think it's a good thing to give guys an opportunity to make some money. Um, Also, while they're doing so much for the university, I don't think it's a bad thing 
because of what they're doing that they get to, you know, kind of be rewarded a little bit. I do worry in the recruiting process, and I do worry about the mindset. I do worry about in a generation where there's a lot of entitlement. Are there going to be some kids that feel entitled to a certain amount of money, and they feel gypped if they went to a school and they're not getting the money that they thought they were going to get while they're at that school? What type of attitude are they going to have on the practice field, in the locker room, in the meeting rooms? That could be a drawback, and like I said, I hope the things that are great about college football get protected. I hope this change is not one of those things that hurts it. John, you're welcome back anytime. You probably got better things to do than talk to us, but we love having you on. <laughs> uh, you guys are good. I'm just going to get back to my workout. I, I, I made sure I got about three quarters done. I knew you guys were going to call now, so it's time to hit the, the second half of it. All right, there it is. Thanks, John. We appreciate it. Yeah, you guys are welcome. We'll see you. John Beck, former BYU quarterback, quarterback coach at 3DQB, working with Zach Wilson, and he gave us a couple things we can hold on there to, PK. <laughs> the NFL you go to bed to may not be the NFL you wake up to. That's an awesome line. I really well, like that. That's a, I could give you, I know we got to go to break, I'll give you a real quick one. Trevor Riley, one day you were gone, Trevor Riley was sitting in, the former Ute linebacker's up on the staff now. He talked about over uh, Labor Day, they said if they don't call you, if you don't hear from them, you've made the team. So he goes to bed Monday night all excited. Tuesday morning he goes in the next morning. And somebody who got cut someplace else, they picked that guy up, and then that changed everything for Trevor Riley. Literal example of what John just said. Yeah. And it happens all the time. That's not a one-off. Chad Lewis said that he got cut in St. Louis because there was an injury at linebacker, and they had to pick somebody up, and they'd been carrying one extra tight end, so he was the guy that let go. But that's how he got back to Philadelphia, where his career really took off. So... Sometimes the worst stuff that happens ends up being the best stuff, too. Crazy. Crazy stuff. Well, we really do appreciate John coming on. That was fun. Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Pre-Half and Post-Game Analyst, will join us next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. What Joe's doing is historic. You take, I think, at five threes, only Kyle Korver has ever had a better shooting season in the history of the league, which was interestingly on that 60-win Hawks team that the Jazz get compared to the most. I have a statistic I call points gained, which is you take the players' possessions or scoring opportunities in a night, compare them to what an average player would do with those. Steph's obviously number one in the league. Joe's the seventh most positively impactful offensive player in the NBA. The league still doesn't quite understand the value of 50% from three. Like, it's, it's a crazy number. It's game-changing, and it's why we win. I can make a pretty good argument Joe Ingles is our best offensive player this year. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. PK in the Mornings is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Time to welcome in Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Pre-Half and Post-Game Analyst. Tim, good morning. Good morning, my dear friends. Tim, I am curious. The Jazz won nine in a row. And people were pumped. They've gone five and four. People are a little stressed. Do you go big picture and say, ah, they're 14 and four? That's about what you'd expect over 18 games. Relax. Or 
the coach in you, you dry you you, you drill down into the details and there's stuff that's definitely bugging you. Uh, you know, I actually think the Jazz for the most part have played pretty well. Um, they, they've for the first time all year they've been affected by you know, and I'm knocking on wood. I do this every time. But a little bit of the injury bug, you know, I think one of the great stories in the season is how they, um, you know, were able to kind of stay healthy as a group and certainly had guys miss from time to time. You know, I think Conley's uh, hamstring was very, you know, that was kind of a scary thing. Um, but I thought they handled it great. They've, they've certainly done so since with back-to-backs and kind of monitoring that. Um, but... I think they just may have played one of their best games of the year um, the other night. And, uh, you know, I know everybody will be quick to say, easy, the Lakers weren't at full strength. I understand that. Uh, But just in terms of watching the spacing and the ball movement and execution of what they try to do on a nightly basis, uh, I certainly give them an A for the other night. Tim, you tell me. Why do I smile and chuckle and almost laugh every time Joe Ingles makes a three? Because he's every man. You know, I think that Joe, you know, if you were to pass him anywhere out there, you just uh, he'd just be one of those other guys. I think what what makes Joe remarkably great is um, he is a, he is your average Joe. He's he's a guy who you know is certainly one of the fun guys to watch the way he competes. Um, I think his, uh, his level of craftiness is beyond compare. Um, and I just love his fire and his energy, but, uh, beyond all that, he's just, he's an extraordinarily good shooter. And what's really fun. And I think probably why we chuckle is we watched him, you know, last year struggle with his confidence and kind of wonder if shots should be taken or not. I mean, there's zero of that now. He's very, very definitive about what he's doing out there. And when he is that way, um, you know, like in anything, when you get in a rhythm and a roll, um, you know, whether it be golf or, um, you know, anything that you love to do, when you get in a rhythm, it's just awesome. You know, you don't even think about it. You just step up and, and make your play. So, I think that's where Joe is right now, um, one of the great shooters in the league. And um, be, in addition to that, I, I think Joe's a huge reason why, um, you know, Joe and Mike having multiple guys out there that can handle the ball takes a lot of pressure off, you know, Donovan being out for a few games. Certainly miss Donovan's dy- uh, dynamic approach and role. But these guys, you know, they can, they can get the ball where it needs to go. They can get the guys set on what they need to do. Um, and I think it's a real luxury that we're seeing to have multiple guys with mul- you know a lot of vast experience running the team. So Joe's biggest games seem to come when either Donovan or Mike is out, and I can't help but think that's because he gets to run more pick and rolls, and when they're both there, he goes to the corner opposite Royce O'Neal usually, and those two guys wait and wait and see if somebody rotates away from them and they get the ball. Do the Jazz need to put Joe in the driver's seat and more pick and rolls? Are they a better team when he does that? And it means taking the hand, the ball out of Mike or Donovan or both of their hands for a few more possessions a game. How would you handle that? What would you suggest if you were an assistant to Quinn the way you were an assistant to Dave Rose? What would you What would you say behind closed doors? Well, I think that the the matchups kind of dictate that. Um, 
you know, that's what's beautiful about the playoffs become a very, very strategic, um, you know, a game where you are, again, playing that same team over and over and over again, and you're, you're kind of trying to every single time find an advantage. I think that that's going to be something that we see, um, you know, the distribution of usage and pick and roll. Um, but I'm telling you, it is such a luxury. You just look around the league, there isn't, there aren't a whole lot of teams that have that ability to have shooters in all those spots and then also multiple guys that can can read um, and make the right play coming off a ball screen. Um, Joe Joe's phenomenal that way. His, uh, his understanding and, you know, oftentimes you see him wait till the very last second to either scoop one in or, you know, throw a late lob to Rudy or even flip the ball cross court to to a teammate for a shot. Uh, I think he, he possesses a really, really keen understanding of the defense. Uh, and I certainly would be uh, a fan of moving that distribution around as matchups indicate that, you know, it's a positive thing. And I think that's where Quinn and his staff have been phenomenal. Um, you know, they come out and the Jazz have the same objective every night. They want to they want to shoot threes and layups on the offensive end and get to the line. And on the defensive end, they obviously they want to protect the three-point line and the rim and not foul. And um, so lots of different ways to, to get those things accomplished, but a huge part of it is, is knowing who's guarding you and, and your strengths against that, that person. And that's where the staff has a, a great amount of intel. And I think we're going to see more of that in the playoffs, DJ. Like everybody else, Tim, I was excited when I heard about the Dwayne Wade news coming aboard as uh, whatever minority ownership he's going to have in the stake as far as the Jazz go. And, you know, wow, he's going to help them get free agents and all that. And, and you know, hopefully that's the case. My thought is that he's an addition and he's a supplement and, and, you know, he could help. But the strength of the organization is just that. And they've done so much right that – I don't want it to overshadow it. I want it to be a part of the the whole, uh, not sales pitch, but just the whole part of why the entire organization is attractive rather than just one individual. You've been involved in recruiting younger kids. These guys are now pros, uh, so there is a little bit of a difference there. Uh, but to me, the, the Dwayne Wade thing is a great thing. But a greater thing is all the stuff that the Jazz have to offer. How do you see it? Yeah, I, I actually believe, um, you know, that the Jazz, you know, Salt Lake City, Utah, you know, and, and I heard a little blurb of your, your buddy DJ over there, and I thought he actually said it pretty eloquently the other day. I think there are inherent things with this state, this culture, um, and some of the history that, is just going to always be there. And I think what um, the organization has done is they certainly created an organization here that is first class. Um, You know, I think the Millers did a great job of putting this franchise in a position constantly to be successful. And that's really hard to do. I mean, you watch, you look around the league and you see teams really flounder for a long periods of time. And, um, you know, this this organization did a great job with the resources it had. I think they, they, each and every person that's worked for the organization in different roles throughout the history, you know, has created a 
franchise that we all can get behind and get really excited about. But that being said, I think there's a lot of different things that have really kind of hurt through the years. And um, I think Ryan has the foresight to say, let's address some of that stuff. You know, it's not, it's not just, um, you know, let's be very, very out there with, with how we feel. And uh, I think this move does a couple different things. Um, number one, I think it's huge that it gives, uh, you know, Dwayne a seat at the table. Uh, I think there's a lot of organizations that are willing to bring guys, you know, former guys on and things like that as ambassadors. But in this instance, you know, to be able to actually have a seat at the table is, is huge. Um, I think the second thing, and you mentioned it, is the free agent situation and the recruitment of players. Um, recruiting and, and players are the lifeblood of an organization. You know, that's that way in in high school, it's that way in college, you're, you're, you're going to be as good. Your coach is awesome, but you're going to be as good as your players can be. Um, and so you constantly have to go out and find the very best players that fit. And you feel great about and, and bring them in. And that's been a, a stumbling block through the years a little bit. And uh, so to have some, you know, some, uh, somebody out there that actually – you know, has done this at the highest level in a different place and can speak to the great things about this place. It's huge. Um, and then I think the third thing I would mention is just the expertise with the current players. Um, can you imagine, you know, at least me growing up, you know, a guy like Dwayne Wade for these guys is, uh, you know, for me as a Larry Bird or, a, um, you know, a Magic. And, and to have the... the daily association uh, and I know that Dwayne is very very involved I think he'll always will he will be and, um, you know I know when he was here I talked to a couple people that you know he, the guy spent a ton of time in the locker room more time in the locker room that night than they typically do because he was there and he's talking to guys and so I think all those things kind of together make this extraordinarily cool um, I've got on record I, I, I think Ryan Smith's going to bring a championship to Utah um, you know, with with this organization, I think it's going to happen. When, Tim, when? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I don't know when. I'll, as, soon as, uh, as soon as that's revealed to me, I will. Um, <laughs> revealed? Uh, oh, that makes me a little nervous. Yach is applauding you. That was that was a PK-level play right there. Good job. Okay, I, I'm learning. I'm getting better. I think, hanging around. I, I've been a rookie, and and I see the vets. You know, every every opportunity I can, I study you guys. So, oh, um, no, but honestly, I, I think that that that's the end game. And you know, it's always been something that we've hoped for, but never overtly talked about. And, and I think that that's the difference. I think we're going to knock down things that have been stumbling blocks, um, and we're going to have a parade down down i guess it would be main street right yeah, it could be state hard to know state street down on main street <laughs> we need it we need it. down on main street <laughs> that's a pk too just randomly singing a lyric <laughs> uh maybe it could be a long parade you know they could go down state street and come back up main street no 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 it goes starts in logan it goes be, down to st state. george <laughs> <laughs> that would be really cool, wouldn't it? US 89, lined with people. Hey, and I'll probably tell you this. That's probably what Ryan would do because he does things bigger than most. So, you know, don't don't count that out. We could have perhaps a barnstorming tour all the way to St. George. That'd be pretty cool. 
Uh, it would be well received. I know when uh, RSL won the MLS Cup in 2009, they made a point of doing something in every county. And I didn't, I, I was, I didn't see what happened in all these counties or anything. It's, uh, it's not like the torch relay, but the torch relay would be another example. People embrace it all over the state. So it, you, that would guys, work. That would work. Seen, you guys have seen the new intro when they, when they intro the team and they get little snippets of, of people all over the state of Utah. You know, they've got, you got people in the city and they've got ranchers. And, you know, the thing that stood out to me is there's, it, it, it really is, you know, the, it's the fabric of our state is certainly changing. And I think that that's, what's exciting is this move kind of signifies all the different things that are going on. And I'm telling you, you got to believe it. Um, but I think, it, I think that, this is one huge step in what I'm talking about here, and we'll see kind of the dividends play out uh, as time goes on. So I'm curious what you think right now of uh, all the teams that have guys out. Harden is now hurt in Brooklyn, and they are saying it's back to square one, so it sounds bad. Uh, and I've heard LeBron is, uh, we've all read that he's weeks away and there's only four weeks left in the season. Don't these guys need a little bit of a runway playing, playing together, getting in the flow? I mean, it's not, you can't just throw an all star team together and just pluck, throw some guy in for a week or 10 days before the playoffs and have it all work, can you? Well, you know, I made the mistake about this time last year <clears throat> at watching a Lakers team that was, I would say, close to floundering at the time. Um, with LeBron, AD, in and out of the lineup. And I made the mistake of saying, you know, I don't know that they can do this. And I really do think you have to kind of, at least in LeBron and AD's case, the, the greatness of those two guys and the fact they won it last year. Um, I'm with you. Typically, yeah, you do need a runway. You, that's why they have a preseason. Um, but I, I think these guys are, you know, we're seeing them in street clothes right now. I imagine they're getting some work in. Um, when they do play, it changes the whole dynamic of that team. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the thing that stood out to me the other night without them is just their length. Well, they, they are just so big. They're so long. And you saw it affect the Jazz early in that game when they were really putting a lot of pressure. But I think the Jazz found something there that night against them. They really started to play on direct lines and put pressure, you know, on the rim, which really caused other guys to have to give help that they didn't want to give, and it popped things for the Jazz. I think league-wide, the injury thing at this point is now a – it's one of those things that we all have to monitor and watch. But I think, with like Quinn said, the only thing the Jazz can control is what the Jazz do on a nightly basis. And, um, you know, they got an opportunity tonight to go – like somebody pointed out, it's a team, it's a palindrome game. You know, David Locke brings up the palindrome all the time, but the records are exactly the same in a palindrome. Um, and so this is a game the Jazz should should win. But I remember Houston coming in here and giving the Jazz fits, you know. So uh, you can't take any game for granted, regardless of who's playing and who's not. Uh, I think the most important thing for the Jazz, like Quinn said the other night, is finding ways to get better. Um you know, finding little things that perhaps, like you mentioned, DJ, Joe handling the ball and his usage, this may be something that spurs uh, some activity 
in the playoffs, you know, they find some things they can go to. Certainly the other night we saw Ilya Sova go crazy from, you know, so you wonder, you know, in a certain situation, do the Jazz play with a stretch, you know, put a stretch five out there at times and maybe have Ilya Sova play some of those minutes the favors is getting if the matchup's right. So those are the things you're looking for here in the last four weeks. Well, Tim, we don't want to uh, we don't want you to use all your good material here. That's a lie. We do, but we know you've got a, uh, a show coming up yourself, five o'clock for the pregame show today, and we will hear you then. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks so much. All right, Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio pre-half and post-game analyst, and we'll hear him tonight with Jake Scott. Pre-game at five, and the game tips off at six. The palindrome game. The Jazz are forty-three and fifteen. Houston mirror image. 15 and 43. A mere 28 games back, PK. They're right there. Yeah, they've been eliminated. DJ PK, more in a moment on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. New head basketball coach at Utah State, Ryan Odom. How important is local recruiting, or is it going to be more national and international reach? Certainly, you want to take care of your home base first and foremost. That's the most important to any school. You want to make sure that you take care of your recruiting footprint. Those are the folks that are going to be most impactful. They understand your university and what it's like to be a student there. You want to make sure you're reaching out to those folks that really care about Utah State. This is a contact business. The better contacts you have, the better chance to be able to put a great team together. So I'm excited for the folks here in Utah to get to know my staff. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7 presented by Big O Tires. The team you trust on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Jerry Signer Cadillac. Check out the new bold lineup at Jerry Signer Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. It is not, DJ. Definitely not. You've liked John Beck for a long time. We had him on the air today. He talked quarterbacks. He talked Zach Wilson. He dropped a lot of knowledge. But you didn't have any time to react to it, PK, because we had uh, Tim coming on to talk jazz and NBA. And for the folks who uh, are joining us here right right about 9 o'clock and missed him at the start of the 8 o'clock hour, reaction, something you want to underline and emphasize, put it in bold and highlight it, what was your takeaway? Well, everything John Beck says, I want to highlight it and put it in bold because when it comes to quarterbacking the guy's a genius as far as I'm concerned Uh, and I've said this I mean he's what he's 15 years removed from playing it's crazy to think about that when you when you do think about that that I was working for the newspaper at the time uh, covering him and he was such a treat because he spoke in such a clinical manner I felt like I learned something every time I spoke to him and to me quarterbacking when I listen to him talk talk quarterbacking it was like listening to Majerus talk basketball he just I need to take a drink of water there he just knew excuse me he just knew everything about the position and and I thought Majerus was a genius I think he was a genius in his life uh, but especially obviously in basketball and when he talks about Zach Wilson I I, I, I sit up straight I, I just sit up straight when John Beck speaks, you know, a little insight on John Beck, how smart he is. We were laughing about, he was talking about how something that the league will kick you in the groin and bring you to your knees. And I said, oh, that was descriptive. And he joked and he said, yeah, it's probably a little bit too descriptors for your listeners in their car. 
And he knows what our business is about, that most of our listeners are in their car in the morning. You know what I mean? That's just an insight to John Beck and his level of intelligence. And he identified Zach Wilson as an 18-year-old. And I've spoken about this to people who I trust in the football business told me this kid is going to be somebody. High school coaches, I think we know who they are. And I have an association there, and they told me, and then guys uh, in the coaching business at the collegiate level who weren't even coaching at BYU at the time told me about this kid, and watching him develop, I could be totally wrong, but I think he's going to be a really good pro. I've been in the Wilson camp for a long time, and listening to John talk about it, it's got me excited. But then, of course, you bring up the stuff about the Jets, yep. and there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can't control, yep. no matter how good you are. Yep. And then, you know, it does give me some concern. <laughs> but I believe that John or John is right in saying Zach has got what it takes. Well, you know, the Jets with the coaching change, they got a guy coming from a successful organization. There was a time. This is true. And if you're, you know, if you're 30 years old, you can't believe it. But if you're 40 or 50, there was a time the Patriots were a joke. Now, they got a new owner, and they got a new coach, and they hit on a good quarterback, and then they hit on a great quarterback, and everything changed. I mean, it just everything about it changed. But they literally did nothing for my entire life. And then 25 years ago, they got good, and 20 years ago, they got great. Now, what are you talking about? They were in a Super Bowl with Steve Grogan in 85. Yep, yep. and they won a playoff That's game in the life. mid-70s. They met you, you were in your prime in 80, was it 85? I was in my prime. <laughs> oh, man. And it was. Your Rolodex was, of the honeys you had the in there? Rolodex, oh. old school. Hey, you, you used to have names and numbers. Old school? Names and numbers written on a paper card in some type of rolling uh, plastic or metal thing. Yeah. Yeah. You you laugh at me for being old school. You're the guy who thinks it's acceptable to have an 82-year-old as the president of the United States, buddy. <laughs> Never thought I'd live to see, uh, what was he, 76-year-old, 77-year-old running against an 82-year-old? Never thought I'd live to see that. Yet here we are. <laughs> so I believe that Zach Wilson will help make the organization better because there's been that eternal debate Belichick or Brady, and Brady or Belichick, right? And we saw Tom obviously win the thing this last season without Belichick, and I don't think that in any way took away from Belichick's greatness. Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't think I don't. I've been saying this for years that you have to have all your ducks in a row. You know, we went through that summer stuff when we didn't have uh, live sports and the last dance and how Krause and was mm-hmm. uh, the Bulls gym was made to be a buffoon. Yeah. We won all the freaking titles. I mean, come on. He traded for Pippen, right? Who, d- d- yeah. D- didn't he trade? So, who did he trade? Was Olden it, Polonies. Uh, Olden Polonies. Yeah, yeah, the Jed, the, yeah, right, right. The oh, sheriff. Come on, man. <laughs> well, he can be the sheriff all he wants, but I'm going to take Pippen as a ball player over Polonies. And Polonies was okay, but obviously he wasn't Pippen. Uh, so my point is, man, you've got to have everything in a row. And I think Zach Wilson has got what it takes. At the same time, though, I'm still a Sam Darnold fan, but I just – I don't. I people told me about Sam Darnold because I have some connections down in Southern California. But at the same time, man, I have direct connections here, 
and they told me about Zach Wilson high school guys all the way to college guys. And I consider John now is an, is a pro guy. And listen to him speak on what he says gets me excited. Just listening to John speak, you were right, man. We could have had John on the whole show. Oh yeah, could have been the John and, Beck and he, show. And he this packs morning. in he packs in so much info into one answer. There's so many things you want to follow up on and get him to explain or tell a story. That dolphin story was great. That even though he thought he knew what was going on, he didn't. And how every decision along the way changes everything. The the Dolphins franchise, you know, the not getting Breeze, how that changes the NFL and changes well, the Saints. Mess. That was a massive decision that shaped the NFL. It was a mess for Miami. It was yeah. the best thing that ever happened to the Saints. Another franchise that was probably even a better example than the Patriots. They were a joke for a long time, and now they just roll off oh, yeah, 10 win seasons. Yeah, and pa- and fans wearing paper bags, bags. over their head and yeah, yeah, it was embarrassing. They never won anything and now it's just they they've been falling, you know, just open the doors and win 10 games. And then and maybe right, maybe right. more, yeah. but that 10 right. was automatic. Yeah, yeah, a great franchise for for a long time under Drew Brees. He goes down most likely as Mr. Saint and uh, he went there, we know it and the rest is history and all that stuff. Yeah, it's 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 interesting how how things happen and the result, the fallout, uh, negative or positive, and in this case it was, and I think John was caught up a little bit in the Miami thing, and I heard him talk about on that Peter King podcast. He didn't have time to go into it. The podcast was like an hour, so he did. But all those things set up. And Zach Wilson's going to have to face that. And Zach Wilson went through all sorts of doubters too, man. Right out of high school, the school he wanted to go to said, nope. Right, right off the bat. I mean, and I love those guys up there, and but nevertheless, but they said no. They yeah. said no. They. I was explaining this to my my wife. We BYU boy. If you like exposure, they really got it last night. Kirk Herbstreet has the ESPN needs something this time of year just because yeah. of the sports calendar. And so uh-huh. with Gruden, they had this draft thing, and it was great because Gruden has charisma and personality, and he could really connect with these guys he didn't know. And he did this great show. But Gruden goes off the NFL, so now Herb Street's doing the show. He had Zach Wilson on last night. They had John Beck on. They had Steve Young on. Steve basically gave a testimonial. Steve is – I mean, he would never say anything bad about a BYU quarterback going to the NFL. He's not going to do that. You know, maybe he'd be quiet or, you know, tone it down. But, like, he is jumping up and down and stamping his feet. He's put it all out there. And if John has a Hall of Fame career, if, if uh, or excuse me, if Zach has a Hall Zach. of Fame career, and if he wins Super Bowls when they do the retrospectives on the career, they can pull out these bites from Steve Young of Steve calling his shot. Because the praise is effusive. How's that for a $6 word? Effusive. And... <laughs> And so my wife sees me watching this, and I'm trying to explain to her, well, here's the deal, and here's how this all worked. Did you break down football for honey? No, it was more. she didn't care about the football. She likes the, she likes, this is where you two are the same. The story. She, she loves the story about the people. And I told, he said, she said, he's a quarterback? And yeah, and she goes, he's a good-looking young kid. He's got that All-American thing. If he hits it big, we're going to be seeing him on car ads and stuff, aren't we? He's going to be selling oh, yeah, trucks. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, he's got all of that. And uh, where's he from? And I'm like, He's from right here. He went to Corner Canyon and Draper. And uh, I said, PK's wife, you know, teaches at the school and knows him and the brother and the the whole bit. I didn't go into her with the recruiting pitch for the brother and all of that. But uh, so I'm telling her all this and she's like 
Really, I said, well, the funny thing is, Utah and BYU didn't want him. And he went, and he was going to go to Boise State. And she's looking at me like, well, why don't Utah and BYU want some kid who's grown up halfway between their campus who's now having ESPN Literally. specials done on him? And like, was he a, she, she's like, was he a late bloomer? And I said, yeah, and there was a coaching change. And so she was soaking up the whole, the whole story. And, uh you know, it's a phenomenal story. Yeah, Aaron Roderick lands in the program and has a relationship, and, yeah, yeah, and so yeah. he ends up there. I said, but the, the family wore red, and all of a sudden they were wearing blue because, well, they were going to wear blue anyway, and it's better to drive you know 35 minutes or an hour or whatever, depending on traffic, than it is to go all the way to Boise State, right? That's six hours one way. So The only thing, Yak, is we've got to get the mom to stop swearing on Instagram. I kind of find it funny, but that's just me. <laughs> I did bring up Instagram with my wife. I said, you, I said if you'd watch the, the, uh, the games, which I watch them at work, so she, I'm, they're not on at home, and she's not going to – she'll watch if I'm watching and there's something going on, but she's not likely to turn it on herself. And uh, I said the dad is enormous and the mom is tiny. And the dad can be pretty reserved, but the mom is – the TV camera loves she's the mom. There. The she's... emotion – with every she, touchdown. She's a funny gal. Yeah, and I said she's on Instagram, and PK's always telling me. She's on Instagram, and she goes, how do you know? You don't do Instagram. You, it drives you nuts. I'm like, yeah, but PK does it for me, so I hear all about it. I know <laughs> if something important happens on Instagram, I know PK's got me covered. If PK needs some stat or number, he doesn't have to do it. I've got him covered. It's teamwork. And she's laughing. Yeah. She does, uh, old Lisa does crack me up with her daily posts. I look forward to them. And but now yet. I just got this from someone in the world of football. What would Aaron Roderick have done without Beck? Question mark. LOL. Laughing, crying emoji. That's uh, the whole drive to California. You know the thing I, yeah. the thing I got out of that, and this is the I, neither of these guys needs to be ripped. This is the way football no, works now. There's no, no, so no, no. much pressure on quarterbacks, and they have such a window. You get your chance, but you don't necessarily get a lot of chances. you got to be prepared whenever your chance comes. And the NCAA's got rules on how much coaches can work with them. And which coaches can work with them, right? The analysts aren't supposed to be able to. Although Yaku was just telling me UTEP got busted. Apparently their analysts were coaching. Man, with all these close practices, I'll bet you there's a lot of analysts Let, coaching. Let's go to no, El Paso and hammer the Myers. The analysts are coaching. So what? They're not supposed to. That's the rule. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Alabama's doing this but, over here. But, but, but the UTEP, point is, you're the point in is, trouble. The, 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 the player always needs to be improving. And if he can't interact with a coach, he needs someone to interact with. So having this... You know, driving to California. Well, if you got a guy there and you got a good relationship and it's working, well, then do it. And I think the thing Beck really sold is the ups and downs, which he says you want at an early age. You don't want everything to work right because stuff's going to go wrong later. You better learn how to react when stuff goes wrong. But, you know, these guys at the college and pro level, because coaches on campus and in NFL teams change so often – I get why you need someone who's with you in the long run, who knows the whole story and can work with you on stuff. Now, they got to be kind of of the same mind. If you get taught one thing over here and then you got taught it completely different over here, that's going to be a problem. But I could really see, as Beck was talking, what guys go through and knowing the NCAA limits and the way coaching staff's changed, I kind of get why a quarterback would want, you know, the guru. And we laugh at all the people, all the ex-athletes who end up, you know, separating parents from their money and coaching up second graders and all that. Uh, but but when, you're, when you're deep into it in high school and you're a prospect, I get why you really need that. You can really hear it when Beck's telling that story or those stories. All right, DJ and PK. The Jazz, the NBA, the stretch run. We will get to that next. Stay with us.